1: To the Tamar Yono Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. It is Sunday, 4 p.m. Israel time, 9 a.m. U.S. Eastern time. We are live if you're listening in that time frame. And you can join in on the show, you can call in. Our numbers are on the top of our homepage at israelnewstalkradio.com if you want to weigh in on any of the issues that we're talking about or ask a question. That's where our numbers are on the, on israelnewstalkradio.com at the very top of the page. Our numbers are there. You can call in. So, what are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about how we got to where we are today and Israel's role in it all. Also, we're going to start out with some news stories from Israel. And, of course, we're going to talk about the Passover or Pesach in Hebrew holiday that we are in the midst of now. All right. So uh, let's start with some news. Let's go to Israel National dot com. Arut Sheva Netanyahu, Prime Minister Netanyahu says there is a basis for real dialogue and an agreement. This after he postponed the bill on Israel. Uh, the uh, j- judicial reform the prime minister said during the weekly cabinet meeting that a compromise for a broad agreement on judicial reform is possible well we shall see not so, not so many people are so optimistic about that also a hamas terror shooting attack okay a hamas terror shooting attack on the temple mount has been foiled thank God, an Arab resident of Jerusalem was arrested for plotting to shoot at a bus carrying police officers in the Temple Mount area after receiving orders, this from his terrorist upper echelon, as part of the investigation by the Shin Bet, Israel's, I guess, interior security, like, it's kind of like the FBI, the Shin Bet, and the police, it was revealed that a 21-year-old named Omar Abedin, an Arab, belongs to the terrorist organization Hamas and that he took part in Hamas activities within the Hamas-identified student cell at Birzeit University located in the area of Ramallah. It's just a 30-minute or so drive, by the way, from the northern tip of Israel's capital city of Jerusalem, so if anybody you, any of you hear about Ramallah and the Palestinian Authority know That it's around 30 minutes or less perhaps from the northern tip of jerusalem to this area so thank god he was caught before he could carry out this terror attack okay and we have as our guest coming on now we have dr mordechai ben menachem to talk about how we got to where we are today and Israel's role in it all. Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem is a researcher, former lecturer at Ben Gordon University. He's authored over 80 books, I should say 90 books, and he's got another one that's being published this week perhaps, uh, and 400 research papers on science, history, and more. He commentates on Mideast and world issues. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem. Thank you. All right, so where would you like to start?
2: I want to start with World War II. Let me briefly go over a little bit of the history, and I'll make a couple of statements ahead of time before I go over this history, just to give people the framework of what what it is I'm talking about here. First of all, um, evidently or apparently, some people have been less than pleased saying that I speak too much about world affairs and not enough about Israel. You're not listening. I never speak about anything other than Israel. But sometimes you do need to connect the dots. But if if you're not aware that the dots exist, you're not going to connect them.
1: Because everything you're saying centers around ultimately to Israel.
2: Absolutely. And and I mean that word absolutely. There is no other subject that I talk about. When I talk about the price of gold, when I talk about uh, political issues around the world or states, uh, statecraft, etc. I'm always speaking from the standpoint of Israel. People need to be aware of that. Perhaps I've been remiss at not stating it clearly enough, but I'm stating it now absolutely clearly. Everything I talk about on this show is always about Israel because that's where I am. That's, that's, the, sen- that's the center of my cognition. Okay. Okay, and the second statement I want to make, and this is also relevant, we've been seeing a lot in the news lately over the past month or so, the dollar is dead, the dollar is about to die, the United States is collapsing. Forget all this kinds of silly rhetoric. The dollar is not dead, it's not about to die. The United States is not dead, it is not about to die. Are they both under significant strategic pressure? Absolutely. The pressure is very real. And it is growing every day. And that's the subject of what we're talking about today. Because when I say, where, how, where are we now? How have we gotten here? And what's Israel role, Israel's role? I'm talking about overall global strategy.
1: Okay, I I just want to hear that I'm not in that school of thought right now. I do believe that the dollar is going to go down drastically because I see countries around the world saying that they don't want to trade in it anymore. They want to.
2: That's exactly what we're going to be talking okay. about. We're not incorrect. <laughs> okay. All right. But we have to understand what is happening and what may happen, and there is a difference. Okay. Okay. So let's begin with World War II. World War II is coming. To a close, 1944, the United States has about 8,000 tons of gold reserves and about 50 percent of the world industrial capacity. It brings together a group of its allies into a place called Bretton Woods, and they came up with a called Bretton Woods Agreement. We don't need to go into details, but basically the agreement said The United States agrees with its allies, everyone agrees unanimously, by the way, that currencies will be um, um, uh, 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 backed up by gold. And the United States did that because the United States was in a gold reserve system. So it didn't, in that sense, internally, there was no change here, basically, but the United States did that because they wanted to not only cement their industrial and military power, but also give it an, a, a third leg of economic power. And it made a lot of sense, because basically since the end of World War One, the United States had been the, the world's, arguably, one can disagree with the dates here, arguably the United States had been the world's leading industrial power. And I think that the United States did prove that in its production of war material during World War II, again, you can, one can debate the date of when it, when that industrial prowess began, that's not relevant to us today. And then during the 50s and 60s, the United States um, planned and executed brilliantly the world's greatest Infrastructure, national infrastructure, the greatest the world had ever seen. Infrastructure meaning roads, railroads, um, uh, 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 airports, uh, electricity, uh, uh, dams, everything. That, it, brilliant execution. And the, the infrastructure that the United States created, I would say, up until the, the early 60s was absolutely not only the best the world had ever seen, but again, it was. Brand execution. It was done on a timely manner. It was done in an in a, a efficient manner, both in terms of costs and everything. Everything was really done very well. And then along came 1971, and the United States decided unilaterally, unilaterally without discussing it with its allies, to break the Bretton Woods Agreement, and it went off the gold standard. And by doing so, it also devalued the dollar. Shortly, relatively shortly after that, began what was called the Arab oil boy, boycott. Well, basically, Arabs came along and said, wait a minute, guys. You've been taking advantage of us now for decades and pumping out our resources that we own, that we control, and paying us a pittance. Well, Basically, a barrel of oil in, uh, during that period of time went up from, and it doesn't matter if, the, if I'm being exact to the numbers, from 5 to $10 a barrel to $50 a barrel. So you, saw, you, saw, you started to see an, a phenomenal transference of wealth from the Western countries to the Gulf countries. 1973, along came Henry Kissinger, and intentionally, I'm intentionally skipping over some things. Maybe we'll come back to it in, uh, afterwards, but I, I want to get this done in an efficient manner. Uh, along came Henry Kissinger, made a, made an agreement with the Saud family, and I emphasized that, that it was a question of family, and the um, the agreement was what's called today the petrodollar. In other words, Saudis, the Saudis agreed that oil would only be only and ever be sold for dollars, therefore creating what was what was now what is now called the world reserve currency. And they were capable because they led the Gulf Cooperation Council, the GCC. They were able to coerce their other partners, the Emirates, uh, 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 Bahrain, uh, Qatar, etc., to also adhere to that discipline. Of selling oil only in United States dollars. That created the petrol dollar, that created the World Reserve Currency system as we know it today.
1: Um You know what, maybe we should stop here because good. the music's coming on. We have to go to okay. a break.
2: Okay. But so we're no, gonna be right I was, back. I was hesitating because of that.
1: Okay. And I want to remind everybody that if you want to call in and comment on anything that's going on here or have a question, you can call in. The numbers are on the top of our homepage at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. If you're listening on Sunday afternoon, we'll be right back.
3: Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from...
1: Shalom, this is Nadia Matar from the Sovereignty Movement. At a time when there is so much disinformation, you have to know who to listen to to know what really is going on in Israel. Israel News Talk Radio is a radio where you can know that what you hear is the truth.
3: Israel News Talk Radio, straight talk from Israel. One minute of Torah. Our Torah portion, Shmini, which means eighth, is a continuation of last week's reading where we learned of the seven days of inauguration for the tabernacle. On the eighth day, in addition to the godly fire that descended and consumed the sacrifices, another fire came and consumed two of the sons of Aaron the high priest. The Torah says that this was a response to their strange sacrifice they had offered. On the literal level, they were being punished for their unauthorized behavior. But on a deeper level, these two righteous men were involved in an extremely lofty experience, strange to others. Having seen the Divine Presence descend and dwell in the tabernacle, they yearned to leave their mundane lives behind and cleave only to the Divine. After all, what attraction can this world have when facing the delight of spirituality? And so... Their souls expired from pure ecstasy and desire to be close to God. As impressive as that was, God wants us down here leading a balanced life, always coming closer to God, but never by abandoning the world he put us in. We can all learn from Aaron's sons how passionate our love and yearning for God must be, but to channel these feelings into doing the practical mitzvot he commanded us to do. With your Ayn Chairman of Torah, this is Chava Izekovitch.
1: All right, we are back here at the Tamari On Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. We are talking with Doctor Mordechai Ben Menachem, and we're talking about the dollar right now, as it pertains to the world, which will eventually pertain to Israel, of course. And uh, why don't you continue where you left off?
2: Okay, so uh, along came Henry Kissinger, made this deal with the Saud family, that the, the the um uh uh uh, uh the Saudis. And uh, the rest of the Gulf Cooperation Council would sell their energy only in dollars. And in return for that, the United States agreed that the Saudis and the other countries in the Gulf Cooperation Council would be protected by the United States. In other words, all security issues, and I emphasize the word all, security issues were on the United States. And the United States, it was basically for the United States, it was a fen- phenomenal deal because in parallel with this, they were also selling these countries uh, 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 um, uh, enormous piles of, uh, uh, of, of military uh, materiel, weapons systems, and etc. many of which never worked, by the way. So a lot of the times they were selling them bluffs, but they sold them. And the, and the Saudis and the others paid for them because they also figured it was a very good deal. It was, a, a classic deal where both sides get exactly what they want, and both sides were very happy with the deal. During the that so that that we, we come up to the the Yom Kippur War, October seventy three, beginning of 74, 1970, seventy four. Uh, uh, then came nineteen seventy seventy the middle seventies. The government in Israel changed for the first time from a, uh, a basically a socialist concept of government a government of, of free market economy. And from that point on, Israel began to change its economic uh, 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 structures from a semi-socialist structure to a totally capitalistic structure.
1: I remember that.
2: And what that meant was that Israel, on a practical level, began to attract American technology companies to invest in Israel and to set up in Israel. Now I should backtrack just for a moment and mention that IBM was the first of those companies to arrive here. They arrived here in the 50s because, and this is a very delicate point, but people need to understand exactly what I'm saying. So please listen carefully. IBM during the war was an eager supporter of Nazi Germany. When they found out what they had done, and this was T.J. Watson himself, T.J. Watson Jr., who was the head of IBM for a long time, and he was a brilliant man. When he realized what he had done, he was so contrite that he said, not only do we apologize to the state of Israel, but we will make a point of investing in Israel. Now, in 1956, I had to grab my forehead for a moment. Nasser himself phoned up T.J. Watson, there's a well-known story in Israel, and said, you have to decide either Israel or the Arabs. T.J. Watson said, nobody tells IBM what to do. And that meant that for at least two decades, IBM was closed out of the Arab market. That was a very significant thing. But IBM, um, I think, very, very honorably, uh, apologize for what they had done, admitted that they'd made a mistake, and provide a restitution, restitution in the best way possible, by investing in the country.
1: I, I just want to add an aside here. It's, it's it kind of irrelevant to what you're talking about. Just, just so our listeners know, when I first came to Israel in 1978, uh, there was no Coca-Cola in Israel. There was only Pepsi-Cola, And that was
2: backwards. You have it backwards.
1: I'm sorry. There was only that's right. Sorry. There was only Coca-Cola in Israel and no Pepsi Cola, which meant none of the other drinks from Pepsi, like uh, what was it? Seven up and whatever. Seven
2: up was a separate company.
1: It was a separate. Okay. Now here in Israel, it's the same today, but in any case, there was no, there was no Pepsi was only Coke. And the reason was, was because again, like you said, the Arabs were boycotting Israel and they told Pepsi, if you sell to Israel, then you don't sell to us. And there's only, there's only a few million, at that time, maybe four or five million people in Israel, tops, and yeah, then let me the, give the exact
2: details. You were too young at the time. I wasn't.
1: I was, <laughs> I, was I was eighteen. 18. <laughs> but go ahead. If you okay, have we'll the exact off details, off of the please share
2: it. The exact details were the following. First of all, Pepsi had a bottling plant in Gaza, which after the six day war, they closed it and took their loss because they refused to have anything to do with, with Israel. It was not a result of the Arab boycott, it was the exact opposite. Six American companies, and I won't go into detail here, Okay. Were, or, were the organizers of the original Arab boycott, which began in 1950. That's the Arab boycott of Israel, not the Arab embargo on oil, uh, on, on, on petroleum products to the United States. Those two separate boycotts. So there was an Arab boycott of anything Israeli dating from the, dating from the early 50s, that was organized by six American companies. And Pepsi-Cola was one of the companies that refused to do business with Israel at the time. Right. And? Um, uh, and there were, there were several others, of course, many of them. Uh, uh, m- most of the companies that participated in this activity no longer exist. They were all very large companies at the time, by the way.
1: I, I want to add here, though, which w- was the ironic thing. Is that when Pepsi Cola finally started to sell to Israel? Remember, there was like five million Jews in Israel, four million maybe even, and you had hundreds of millions of Arabs in the in all the Arab countries. And they sold once they opened up in Israel, they sold a lot more Pepsi Cola here in Israel than they did in all of those Arab countries. So they well, lost you out again.
2: The exactly, exact details of that. Okay. I had a conversation yeah. in
1: 19.
2: 19- 80, if I'm not mistaken, of the date, if I'm, if I'm mistaken, it's very close to that, with uh, 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 two people. One of them was a um, uh, what's called an IBM fellow. In other words, he was a, uh, a lead researcher of IBM. Um, the gentleman made Aliyah and, and, and lives here in Israel. He's a brilliant mathematician and a vice president of Xerox. Xerox was one of the companies that refused to do business in Israel because they were doing business in, um, in the Arab countries. Right. Well, it turned out that IBM made more money in Israel during the '50s, '60s, and '70s than Xerox made in all the Arab tens of Arab countries.
1: There you go. <laughs> so their loss. <laughs> yes. Okay. So all right. So let, let's let's okay. go back so to the topic. Let's go on
2: with the timeline here. Okay. So we've come to ni- the 1970s. 80s, Israel's building this uh, 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 stature of attracting American companies. We have companies like, as I said, IBM was the, was the, was the first one, but then you also had Motorola, Intel. Uh, later on, of course, uh, in, the, in the 80s, they didn't exist yet, but uh, in, later on, you, uh, you added to that companies like uh, um, uh, Microsoft, uh, Google. Every single one of these companies does their primary R&D here in Israel today. And this goes so far, even to the point of a joke. And the joke, of course, is that uh, company, not only the companies like the so-called high-tech companies, but even regular technology companies like General Motors. I have a, 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 the son of one of my closest friends works works as a developer for General Motors. Um, but the joke of it is that even Ford now has their primary R&D here in, the, here in Israel for all of their advanced systems. Henry Ford was the primary financier behind the Nazi, the German Nazi Party, until days before the United States declared war on Germany. And now they are uh, 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 they're, 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 they are totally dependent upon Israel for the technology. So we're talking about Lockheed Martin. Um, uh, 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 General Motors, I said, uh, uh, Ford, uh, uh, just about any significant American technology company, whether it's high-tech or middle-tech or whatever you want to call it, tech, they are here in Israel. Johnson & Johnson, um, et cetera. The the list is much too long to even even imagine the listed. So this is going on in the 80s into the 90s, and then We'll we'll, we'll jump ahead now, I'll skip over some things. Along comes uh, Obama, and he decides, oh, he's going to change things, and he's going to, what did he call it, he's going to shift from Middle East policy, which is centered around its allies, those allies were Israel, Egypt, and Saudi Arabia, and he's going to shift over to Iran. None of the countries involved liked that very much. They were all very much, very strongly displeased. And then came 2019, the uh, 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 Trump administration. Iran attacked Saudi Arabia oil infrastructure, taking out basically 5% of world oil. The United States at first did nothing. Now remember, the United States had been selling all sorts of military systems to Saudi Arabia. One of those systems, for instance, was the, the Patriot system, which is an air defense system. It didn't work. Patriot system has never worked. It's a, it's a garbage system. It always has been. I've audited it twice. I can give you the de- excruciating engineering details if we had the time and the, and the, and enough discuss to do it.
1: No, we only got about ten seconds or twenty seconds. Go ahead.
2: So then the, uh, the, the 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 Trump administration went to Saudi Arabia and said, "Okay, we will fix this." Let's go and we'll
1: talk about that when we get back to the break. Okay, so we are going to be back, and again. Our numbers are on the top of our homepage at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com if you want to call in, if you're listening on Sunday Sunday afternoon Israel time, or if it's the morning time, U.S. Eastern time between 9 and 10 a.m. Otherwise, this is a replay of the show. We're going to be right back, everybody.
4: Israel News Talk Radio, straight talk from Israel.
1: Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere.
0: Artificial intelligence is in the news with many people surprised at the power and capabilities of ChatGPT which allows you to ask questions and make requests which result in surprisingly accurate results. To use ChatGPT you still have to type in your questions. That's all about to change now because an Israeli company is working on a natural language interface to ChatGPT that allows you to ask questions and make requests to an interactive digital human. The technology allows you to have a natural conversation with a photorealistic avatar. The app is still being tested, but could soon allow users to select an avatar or upload any portrait of their choice to become the talking avatar. Imagine talking to grandpa or maybe your first grade teacher. For more information on the high-tech world today, visit IsraelTechTalk.com. With your INTR Tech Minute, I'm Bob Aielloa.
1: Going to do about- Five and six, and we are on the air. Hi, everybody! You're listening to the Tomorrow Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and we're with Doctor Mordechai Ben Menachem, and we are talking about how industries and uh, companies have boycotted Israel, and then when they came and invested in here, they have uh, they flowered. Uh, And go ahead and take it away.
2: Okay, so uh, along came Mister Trump. And everyone who was familiar with him knows that I'm not saying this in any way against him. I think he 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 tried to do the 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 responsible and moral thing. And he said to the Saudis, "Look, the truth of the matter is that we don't really have the power anymore to protect you in the way that we did at one time. But we have an ally called Israel, who can. So we're going to come up with the Abraham Accords, and you can do a deal with them." and we'll help out some way. And so that worked with, the, um, with, 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 with four countries. The Saudis were hesitant for, for religious reasons and, uh, and for other reasons. Um, but basically the Saudis were in there under
1: the table. They're in the deal, but they're under the table. They're not public about it. But now there's been a lot of news of Saudi Arabia chumming up to China and right. Iran. Know, I'm just getting to that. Okay, exactly. Right.
2: go ahead. That's the point. And that was supposed to work. And then a long time, um, uh, uh, um, pardon me, the super idiot that we have now in the White House called Biden, who started out by horribly insulting the, the, the Saudi family, the Saud family, and the, the leader of the Saud family, calling them a pariah state, which is about as insulting as you can get. And then to add injury to the insult. He also went in and took back the Patriot system that didn't work anyway, but the Saudis had paid billions of dollars for, and he just went in and took it. And didn't, of course, return any money. So the Saudis are furious with the Americans, absolutely furious. We saw it in that when, when Biden visited there, they, they literally publicly laughed at him in his face. Again, this didn't get very much news in the United States, but they laughed at him in his face while he was there. And the, the other Arab countries, the other Gulf countries uh, uh, went along with this. And so what we're seeing now is, um, uh, 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 again, I'll go back a slight, a slight bit here. If we look at Russia... Venezuela, Iran, Israel news
4: talk Radio. all of Straight whom are from heavily Israel. sanctioned Warning.
2: by the United States, they, they, they control the 40% of the world's oil reserves. The show that will explode they're all the sanctioned by the United States.
4: Fake news. Saudi Arabia
2: controls about another 12-15%. The other Gulf countries, today, and particularly the Emirates and, and, and Qatar, are coming to a, 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 a very heavy percentage of the world's oil Energy. Is truth bomb. So, the Federal Reserve thinks that it's fighting inflation. Inflation? They don't know what they're doing. They have no idea what they're doing, because if the Saudis then go to their friends, and their friends include not only China, who is Could their largest morning, customer, My name is but I'm also the other members of OPIC+, Plus, radio which includes today Russia to and. Live. Unless you're listening Venezuela to the and podcast. Iran and uh, many of these other countries Jerusalem, that were that, that we haven't gotten around ish, to mention, Jerusalem. if they decide tomorrow that they desire, their demand, they're going to demand now, as they did in 1973, that they'll set the price for oil and not America. So that you won't be paying $80 a barrel for, for oil, which it is where it is today. You'll be paying, say, $150, 100, 140 160 something like that. So anything the Fed has done in terms of inflation basically turns out to be garbage. And in parallel to that, what's happened, how? Why are the Saudis, in addition to being furious with America, why are they suddenly turning to China? Well, along comes Biden, not only does he insult them time after time, and then come begging to them, and then totally can't even comprehend what, 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 what he's, with whom he's speaking, but then he comes along and he decides that he's going to not only destroy the elected government of Israel, but he's going to destroy the, com- the country as well. And he's working actively to damage Israel as well. So the Saudis say, wait a minute, <laughs> the Americans pulled out, they, get, they offered us Israel, and now they're trying to destroy Israel, and they're encouraging Iran to get a nuclear bomb. So, who are we with? We have nobody left to be with. So, now the Saudis are starting to look at China and Russia and India, as well as Israel, of course. So, to answer my own question that I began with, where are we today? How have we gotten here? That's the basic story. I skipped over a few things, for instance um i uh, uh, I mentioned that Kissinger made the the deal with the with with the Saud family well Kissinger also at about the same time made his famous statement America has no friends, it only has interests. Examine that statement very well right first of all, America has no friends. America has proven that it has no friends. The last ally still standing in the side of the United States is Israel, and America is actively funding. The disruptions that we're seeing across Israel today, right? And again, it's not me saying that. Um, uh, uh, Senator Ted Cruz said it. The the State Department itself admitted it that, that they're, they're supporting the left against the government it. here. Yeah. Okay, so uh, uh, um, uh, 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 the, the Europeans are furious with America over over be, being being betrayed with the with the Nord Stream. Nobody is pretending any longer that anybody other than America did it, except American news, news, news corporations. And nobody in the world is even discussing it as a question any longer. Everybody knows that America blew up the Nord Stream 2. For the very simple reason that they're selling Europe gas as liquefied natural gas at many times what they were paying previously for Russian gas. So America is basically making a buck. America has no friends. And in parallel with that, America, one of the first things Biden did when he when he got into office was he prevented the East Mediterranean pipeline. The Europeans have now said, we don't give a damn what Biden says about it. We're going to build a pipeline, and it's now an active negotiation to start the building of, a, of an East Mediterranean pipeline to pipe gas from the East Mediterranean countries. We've discussed this in the past: at Israel, uh, 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 Cyprus, uh, Egypt, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All have a great deal of gas, and we can sell it to Europe. Europe.
1: I, I just want to insert here that when you're saying these things about the United States not having friends and and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, Okay, when you're repeating it. It's it, it saddens I think it saddens you as well, but it saddens us because America is a great country, has wonderful people, has wonderful values and and it's sad to see this empire deteriorating and decaying. And I believe it's because of the left is 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 taking over, which doesn't have values of family, faith, and family, or family and faith, however you say it. It's the opposite. They they war with God, and a family is the enemy because then the the government, which is the supreme, doesn't have as much control over the the, its citizens. So I just wanted to put that in there. That when we say this, it's not like we're gleeful over this. It's the opposite. We're very very sad. Forbid. Absolutely, you're absolutely correct. It's not just
2: a question of sad. It's bad. It's bad for America. It's bad for the world. Yeah, things that are good. We're we're we are already in a global war. Everybody knows this now. Is China uh, uh, going to take over the world? No, of course not. Is China going to weaken America? Absolutely. There's absolutely no doubt about. Nobody has a doubt about that. As I said at the beginning, is the United States dollar about to collapse? No. But the United States dollar is certainly about to lose its status as the single reserve currency. There's almost no doubt about that. Can it recover from it? Yes. Will it? Doubtful. So when you have a situation where uh, 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 there, there are already signed deals now, Russia, China, China, Brazil, Saudi Arabia, and, and, and uh, India... Saudi Arabia and China, all of these deals that we're talking about, hundreds of billions of dollars worth, and and, uh, and of course there are many more deals other than that, these are not being done in, in dollars. None of these deals are. So the United States dollar is weakened, present tense. It's already much weaker than it was two years ago. And that is very significant. And this is also inflationary. This will also cause enhanced inflation in the United States because there's a limit to how much basically basic trash you can print. Today, almost all printed money is more or less trash of one kind or another, at one level or another. Uh As I've said many times in the past, anybody who knows what's going on today, you can listen to many, many analysts today, some of the leading analysts in the world uh, Robert Kiyosaki, uh, 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 Rick Rule, uh, 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 the, uh, uh, the names are just almost endless. Uh, 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 Jim Rickards, everybody is telling you to go and at least place, place part of your portfolio into gold, into precious metals, into other commodities. You don't like gold? Buy copper. Who cares? Things that have value. Well, I always say real estate. <laughs> Nobody in his right mind today will invest in commercial real estate in large American cities, cities because every major company is trying to get out of large American citizen, cities because of the, the rampant crime there. So when you say real estate, you have to be much more specific than that. So these are the issues. These are, this is a, a, a very brief, very very brief overview of the history of how we got to where we are today i want to re-emphasize what i said at the very beginning everything i talked about is all israel centric for better or for worse but we are israel news talk radio and we're talking from israel about israel so even though i'm talking about things that are going on in other places apparently all of these affect israel today and here's a statement that no American is going to like. Today, the American military is in very large proportion, not 100%, of course, very large percent, is uh, United States military is dependent upon Israeli technologies. That is not something that they planned.
1: Um, we do have a caller, and uh, we have joining us Isaac from Jerusalem. Isaac, uh Go ahead. What's your comment or question for us?
4: Yes. I I like it. everything that uh, more has been saying. And uh, I would like to know if, if he has any information about the new OFX-13 satellite. The satellite. Is any laser um, effects on the and that's the next step for Israel, for it to be a great superpower militarily, and there's not know
1: what status the uh, laser technology is doing right now. Okay, the first part of the question I understood. You're asking about the satellite that Israel just shot up in the air. Yeah, and it, and the second part it, was it, what? If, if it's going to make us a superpower? If it's going to If that has any laser
4: uh, capability, which I know they're working on. Does it have laser
1: capability? Okay.
4: I think Mordechai Ben-Nachem would know because he knows so much. (laughs) And uh, I'd like to know if uh, this this current satellite could be the solution
1: to Iranian geranium. All right, those are good questions. So, uh, thank you for your thank you for your call, Isaac. Really appreciate you calling it in. So, those are good questions. Israel did bring up a, a, a put up a satellite just recently. Doctor Mordechai ben Marach. what do you have to say about that?
2: Okay, let, let me say a few things. First of all, uh, Ofek itself is a what you call it? Um, a reconnaissance satellite. It deals with things like taking pictures of what's going on around the world. Um, I would be very doubtful. I would be highly doubtful that it would also include that kind of military capabilities. Could we put up a satellite that did have those things? We could. I don't. Maybe we already have. I don't know. If I knew, I wouldn't say. But I do not know. <laughs> right. Um, uh, um, but I would be I would very, very much doubt that anything like that would be on OFIC. It would not be a normal thing to do. Satellites, and I've been in very heavily involved in satellites in the past. Satellites are usually um, um, uh, uh, one application. You don't mix applications on a single satellite. You use de- separate satellites for separate applications. Hmm. That's normal in the world today, even though the Ofek series of satellites are very advanced. By the way, just to give people numbers, the Ofek satellites today... Um, Actually, so the, the entire um, um, uh, line of them can do everything that the American um, reconnaissance satellites to do, and generally speaking, they cost less than one tenth what the American satellites How
1: cost is that? For. How did we do it so so much cheaper? We we just do it a lot better. I mean, as
2: I said, I was a senior manager in the OFIT program for, for for quite some time. You were everything. So, you
1: it, <laughs> you're like Mister. <no? laughs> It's like, how no, long have you lived? You must have lived a thousand years to do all these things that you're doing and that you've done. <laughs> all right. Okay. So we only have a few more minutes. Um, so where do, where do you want to take us?
2: Okay. Uh, um, uh, uh, uh,
1: uh, uh, let, let me just
2: continue for one more, one more item in terms of what Isaac's question is. As far as I'm aware at the moment, and I'm only getting information from public sources the laser system is not yet battle ready. It's still in uh, uh, final um, uh, development stages. It's very close to being battle ready, as far as I'm aware, but it's not yet battle ready. So I would be highly doubtful if we had it on any satellite. As I said, prob- uh, um, uh, very, uh, very unlikely it would be on OFIC. I doubt if it's on any satellite. It's too early. Hmm. This will take more time.
1: Okay. All right, so to sum up everything, where, where do you want to go? Okay.
2: Um, uh, 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 I think this is a very fascinating story because people really are not aware of the degree of dependency between states that exist today. In 1950, each different country could be more or less declared itself independent. In, in, in 1999... I and several of my friends around the world did a study. If we wanted to open a factory for pencils, how many countries would minimally be involved in manufacturing a pencil? A regular pencil with a graphite core and wooden body, right? Mm -hmm. We discovered that the minimal number of countries that would need to be involved were 11.
1: Really? For wood and lead? And a piece was of metal and rubber, a, a rubber eraser, right. little bits of metal, right. etc.
2: The, the paint, the paint on it, all of the different parts. Yeah. Took eleven countries to manufacture a pencil, and that was in nineteen ninety nine. The dependencies have grown since then, not shrunk. Okay. So, the world is what it is. It's a complex place. We've seen over these past two years, for instance, the problems that were called the supply chain problems. These are increasing. They're not decreasing. Right. And these problems are getting more difficult to solve. Not because there's any objective reason why they should be, but basically because a lot of the very senior people in many countries, not just the United States... The United States is, a, is is absolutely the world leader in mismanagement today, but many leaders simply have no management experience. They don't know how to solve problems. A person who all of his life, uh, you know, I had, I, I'll go back, and uh, 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 I used to uh, work with a gentleman by the name of David Levy, who was a minister in the country, in the Israeli government. Um, he's now well into his 80s. I don't know how old he is. Uh, man was absolutely brilliant. One of the smartest people I've ever known. He had no education.
1: I they all laughed finished... at him here in Israel. They had jokes about
2: David Levy. They had jokes about him because they were they were scared out of their mind of him. They, he didn't speak English so well. That was one of the yeah, things that they laughed. In fact, at him. he did. But okay, okay. Uh, they, But they made fun of him anyway. Now right. this is a guy that he once he was the minister of of uh, of infrastructure, and he asked me something, a question about. Um, a, atomic energy for electricity. And I presented him with a working paper. And this is a guy who, who never finished high school. And I would start to describe, each, I, there were eight points on the paper. I would just start to describe it, he would be able to finish my sentences. He was so fast, he was so sharp. But anyway, he was a man who, one, one of the things he taught me was he said to me one time, Look, I'm a politician, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a professional model, a manager. I'm a professional politician. You need to tell me what I need to know in order to get the job done. Once I understand it, the job will get done. Mm-hmm. And by the way, he never failed at that. Never in any job that he had.
1: So interesting he to hear you say what that. The
2: issue was he got the job done.
1: Hmm. Okay, interesting. But the world today,
2: all over the world, not just in the United States. I mean, when you look at a guy like this, this. This ridiculous idiot, booty, 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 whatever his name is. I mean, the man is a joke. If you look at uh, 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 the vice president of the United States, everywhere she goes in the world, people laugh at her openly. She's a joke. These are people who have never done anything at all in their lives other than make themselves foolish. And I emphasize I'm using Americans as examples here, but it goes all over the world. Look at, look at Britain. Britain hasn't had a stable government now for years. Look at France. The the, the administration's there. Look at anywhere in Europe. There's a massive crisis today throughout the world, particularly the Western world, in senior political management, which means that you and I, the citizens, the individual people, we cannot depend upon them anymore. We can't depend upon them to manage our lives. We need to manage our own lives, not just economically, but certainly beginning with that.
1: Well, easier okay. said than done.
2: Oh, of course it is, but because the because the, here, because to, the, to the civilians don't places.
1: have the power to implement. You know, I don't,
2: that I disagree with. We have we all have power to. Decide. Ruby red slippers. We all have the power to decide how. How was it? How was it? The the the, the, uh, the, the, um, the being the involved being in uh, Stargates, the, the the best uh, television show that was ever produced in America. The only thing we can been really decide, that we really have control of is whether we are good or we are bad, and we have we all have this, this, the, the ability to decide that. And we can decide it for ourselves and no one controls us.
1: That's that is true. But I'm talking about when, when you're mm. saying that we do have the power, then then we have to take the power and Absolutely. not every. OK, but we don't have it. We have to take the power from those who have it. That's what I'm no, saying. No, and no. a lot of people are not yeah, willing have, to go out and that, do that. That
2: level, that level of control we all have. If we If we're just cognizant of what we need to do. Everybody can decide, for instance, for for instance, on, on whether or not they're going to save money or waste money. Just just, a, just a trivial, the most trivial example on on the day to day basis.
1: All right. Do you want to say anything else? <laughs> I'm no, not I sure think, I'm with I think you on that. About, but okay, <laughs> I'm not. I don't think I'm there yet with you. But okay, uh, I, I let's talk about the Passover holiday really quick. Because oh, we are in the goodness. Passover I holiday,
2: that. you're right. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, 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 people that aren't familiar with it, the word, first of all, the word Pesach is actually a, a, re, a, a reasonably translated as Passover, it, it, it means to to uh, uh, um, uh, uh, God passed over the the houses of the of the Israelites. That's not what's really important in the holiday. What's really important to the holiday, and, and, and I think people are not aware of this, uh, sufficiently aware of this, is that the entire story of Passover is one story, is one item. There's only one real story behind that entire story, and that's freedom. Remember, this is the first time in human history when slavery was abolished, not just for the slaves but that they could not have afterwards slaves for themselves. It's true. Some mistranslations of the, of the Hebrew Bible translate the word evid as slave. That is incorrect. It is, the correct translation is servant. Mm-hmm. There's a vast difference. Right. Remember, a servant, uh, according to the Bible, is only a servant for up to six years. There is no permanent permanent slavery in in, 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 in in the Bible. The objective of slavery is education. Someone who has fallen down morally and needs to be helped to get back up. Or someone who's fallen down economically because they didn't know how to take care of themselves. Okay. The whole point of Pesach is human dignity, human freedom. And if you're missing that, you're basically missing
1: anything about Judaism at all. So I'd like to expound on what you said that it's, a, it's known as a holiday of freedom, but it's not just freedom to be free. I heard a wonderful, what we call Devar Torah, which is a uh, word from the Bible, basically. And it was talking about how if God just freed us so we could, you know, go to the promised land and then just be a, a Hebrew speaking Portugal, okay? That's not what He freed us for. He freed us in order to bring us to the Holy Land, to to, to give us the Torah, which is the beacon of light to the world, tell us what to do, how to live our lives, morality, etc., etc., and then to emanate this light to the world. So as opposed to other societies that say, well, we want to be free so we can have... Free sexuality and free freedom to express ourselves any way we want however we want and just have uh, chaos basically and which leads to perversity and a whole sort of things that God doesn't want he didn't free us just to be. Another nation of the world, but we had a job to do. And and that's why it was so important to take us out of slavery to do all of the miracles he did with the 10 plagues. He didn't do that for any other nation, except for the Jewish people, the chosen people. And again, I want to remind people that chosen doesn't mean that we're better. It just means that we're chosen for a certain purpose. We have a purpose that we have to do this. And non-Jews have a a, a purpose that they have to do, the seven laws of Noah. All of us, as human beings, as brothers and sisters, have our jobs to do. Each one, each of us. Absolutely. And when we don't do a job, we get punished. We get punished. That's right. (laughs) People have seen the Jews get punished, unfortunately. But it's (laughs) important to to remember that we talk about... I don't don't want anybody to suggest
2: that we, we, we trade places, but... The world still sees idiots basically like Farrakhan, who come up with these really stupid statements Jews control the world. Basically that's a denial of God. Jews do not never have never can never will control the world. It's not possible.
1: Only God controls the world. This is true. But I want to I want to I want to emphasize here that the, the story of the exodus from Egypt is, and, and the freedom of after being slaves there and bringing us, uh, the, giving us the Torah at Mount Sinai and then bringing us into the promised land, into the land of Israel and to become a nation, to become a light into the world. This is something that we talk about all the time, in every Friday night and Saturday, and we when we make kiddush and every day's davening, every day's praying, we always talk about Yitziat Mitzrayim, the coming out of Egypt. It's always mentioned because this is like one of the 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 bases of Judaism, and what we have to remember that God took us out of slavery, not just to be free, but to be holy to be a holy people to raise the level of the world to a better place and it's a beautiful thing but a big a big responsibility and that's what we should be remembering as we are sitting at the seder table at the passover seder with our children to tell our children the story of our ancestors and to think that their blood out these people who witnessed the miracles who fought the wars to go into the land of israel and and to become a nation their blood runs through our veins. We are part of them. This is our story. It's not just their story. It's our story, and we have an obligation today to continue that story, to bring a, a good uh ending to that story that we will be a true light to the nations, not just a Hebrew speaking any country in the world, but to be a holy nation to do what uh, to bring light into the world, to reveal God's name in this world and to bring it up from the perversity, l- from the evil that we're seeing today
2: sum it up with a statement a... that was made to me um, in 1974 by a brilliant gentleman who, who happened to be dark-skinned in America. I was sitting with him in a bar. We were working. We were colleagues. We worked together at, at the University in, in, in uh, of um, Wisconsin in, in Milwaukee. Um, and he turned to me and said, you know, your people and my people were both slaves. This is one of the Things that really changed my life, this statement. Your people and my people were both slaves. But the difference was when your people were freed from slavery, you were freed from slavery both in the body and in your soul. We were freed from slavery only in the body, and we still have have yet to to be freed in our souls. Hmm. I think that was a brilliant statement. And I think the reason for that, and here I'm stating my own opinion, is that when the, uh, uh, uh the the I don't know the proper term. I'm I'm not pl- politically correct. The, the Negro, the 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 black, the, the African American, whatever term is popular this week. I, I get confused. Pardon me. When they were freed, they did not have their own leadership to. Take them as a people to galvanize them, to organize them, and to give them a, a, a directed purpose. When Israel makes a mistake and we don't do our job, as I said before, we get punished. When we do our job, if we ever manage to do our job completely and, and Mashiach and Messiah comes, our job is to lead in terms of morality. As I said before, only God controls the world. Anyone who talks about, who who, who 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 talks about these ridiculous notions of Jews control the banks or whatever or any of this other nonsense, you're denying God. All right. And you got to get o- you've got to get over that if you're ever going to really be free. Every people in the world deserves to be free. Be freeing your soul, first of all.
1: And with that, we wish you a very happy and joyous and kosher Pesach or Passover holiday. And our schedule will be changed a bit. There may not be shows as people are taking off for the holiday, but we will be back to our regular schedule after the holiday. And we will have some new shows during the week, too, probably. So thank you, everybody, for being with us. Thank you, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, for being with us. And thank thanks you. to all the people who are listening from all over the world. Let me just take a look and see here the Netherlands and, of course, all over the United States and Israel, Canada, Poland, Sweden, New Zealand, Finland, all these places. Wonderful to see you all. May you all have a joyous Passover holiday, a kosher holiday, and uh, may we all be free in order to serve God and make this world a better place. Thank you, Dr. Morachet ben and thank you all for being with us.
3: If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page, and don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone
1: else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com straight talk from Israel
0: you're listening to Israel news talk radio
1: hey this is Jake in Anchorage Alaska and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel
3: hello this is Anna King originally from London now living in Israel and what can I say Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea.
4: My name is Masper. I'm from India and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay,
3: yes. wait a minute.